guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even right. your mom, you know, when she's going to pop eight, then you're going to talk around. Man. So we're going... We moved into the ballsy portion of it. There's some things you just can't find, but... Like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, welcome to episode 24, this is Leaving a Legacy. I am Adrian, or Mathematrixster on Twitter, and with me is... I'm Jerry Me. That is Jerry Me, not Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Run into that quite a bit, off, you know, more often than I'd like. <laughs> Jamie3rd on Twitter? Yep, Jamie3rd, because so, third. Because you're the third. Oh. So how you doing, Jerry? Oh, pretty good. I have a lot to talk about this week. Do you? Yeah, you went down to pencil. Oh, you know what? That was... Boy, I do too. Go ahead. <laughs> where do you want to start, buddy? Ah, uh, man, where to start? Uh, yeah, a lot happened. I guess real quick, because I think this is only going to take us five minutes before you use the words uh, hot garbage. <laughs> uh, we finished the, uh, well, the entire Dragons of Car- uh, Tarkir uh, spoiler came out. And I think there was one that caught both of our eye. Both of our eye? Oh. Well, I showed it to you, and you didn't immediately call it hot garbage. Oh, so I, well, that is <laughs> right. actually liking it. All right, well, let's put some credit where credit's due. You know whose spoiler that was, right? Who? Uh, it was KYT's. Yeah, it was a man of deprived. So get yep. it, why don't you, why don't you, uh, and, and, you know, they didn't sound as enthusiastic about it as you did. Yeah, because they don't play Legacy. Um, it's actually been getting a lot of buzz in Vintage, and before we continue to tease our listeners anymore, uh, the card we're talking about is Myth Realized, mm. uh, which is ironic because it literally was spoiled an hour after uh, we wrapped up last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going so far as to call it the White Tarmogoyf, for those who haven't seen it yet. It's one white for an enchantment. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a lore counter on Myth Realized. It then has another ability that probably won't be that relevant. It's two colorless and one white. Put a lore counter on Myth Realized, so even if you don't play other spells, you can still uh, pump it up a bit. And then for the low cost of only one white, until end of turn, it becomes a monk avatar creature in addition to its other types, so it's still an enchantment. This creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lore counters on it. Now, how do you how do you see yourself using this card? Uh, I basically see it in the same way that you would use uh, Tarmogoyf. You drop it early, uh, or you can even drop it late uh, with all the cantrips in Legacy. This guy gets huge real quick. Mm. You know, play him turn one, turn two, brainstorm, ponder. Uh, you know, you don't. The thing I love about him is that you don't have to activate him right away. For the low, low cost of one white, uh, you put it on the field, and then you just continue with their game plan. It's not a heavy investment of resources in the slightest. Uh, it, it also can be activated whenever you choose. Uh, so what I like about it is it dodges a lot of removal. Yeah. So if you know your opponent has a full grip or you have no protection in your hand, don't activate it unless you have to. Uh, also, the other benefit is I see it playing really well with Terminus, because you can wipe the board, leave this in play, and then swing in with a huge guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my first impression is I thought I was going to go into Enchantress, uh, you know, it being an enchantment and a aggro card at that. Mm-hmm. 
But I was actually talking to our resident uh, Enchantress expert, uh, Curtis, and he, he actually made some good points, whereas this probably won't see play in Enchantress, just because uh, Sigil of the Empty Throne just does the same thing, but better. Enchantress doesn't really want it, but I can definitely see this spawning a whole new blue-white Delver deck, or maybe blue-white-red. Uh, it plays really well with Delver, because you basically just run this and Delver and then a whole bunch of instants and sorceries mm-hmm. and get aggro on your opponent. You know, it, it can definitely be in blue-white-red, too, if you just want this, Delver, and uh, Swift Spear. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really spawns out that a whole new deck archetype. I've actually been hearing a lot of people talking about it in Vintage, uh, because it's even better in Vintage. Sure. But basically dodges all forms of uh, removal except for Abrupt Decay. And you only expose it to, uh, you know, Swords to Plowshares when you choose. Mm-hmm. So you can choose to gamble if you think they may have it, or if you know they're tapped out or, you know, something, some other condition where you know they won't have the Swords to Plowshares, you can just attack with this thing freely and not really have to worry about anything. I like the fact that it actually just dodges Supreme Verdict. Unless you, you know, I mean, you have to activate on your opponent's turn for that not to actually count, but. Right, it, it dodges all forms of sweepers, it do, you know, Toxic Deluge, Damnation, Supreme Verdict, Terminus. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, not Terminus really, so much. Terminus will have to draw a card. Yeah, if they, but if they have to, they have to invest another resource in that, so either tapping top or brainstorming. Mm-hmm. So, you're right, it doesn't strictly dodge Terminus, but I actually like it uh, in a deck that runs Terminus itself. Mm-hmm. Because you can wipe the board with Terminus and then activate him and swing in. Mm-hmm. So I can see it going in kind of a Miracles type variant, you know, a little bit more aggressive uh, version of Miracles, uh, or just being a blue white tempo deck with Delver. Okay. Uh, because blue white Delver decks just haven't really been a thing in Legacy just because the pieces weren't there. And namely, it's there isn't another aggressively uh, costed, uh, you know, Tempo style creature like Delver in blue and white. You know, your next option is uh, Stoneforge Mystic, which is not tempo orientated at all. Mm-hmm. It's very mid range grindy. So I think this definitely uh, can lead to a blue white deck uh, coming up, a blue white Delver deck coming up in Legacy. <laughs> you know, because we don't have enough Delver decks out there as is. Yeah, blue white Delver is <laughs> not a far stretch from blue white splashing lightning bolt. <laughs> right. And that's the thing, you know, that's what I'm also thinking is when once you add red, is it better than just Young Pyromancer and Swift Spear? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I like it in that it can, you know, block a Tarmogoyf or win against Tarmogoyf, whereas Young Pyromancer Swift Spear has a little problem punching through Tarmogoyf. Okay. So this could be that little bit of extra beef you need for the Tarmogoyf matchups, which is a big problem for the blue-white-red Delver decks. They just have a really hard time against Timer Glaive. So, I just want to see a Storm deck land it, build it up, and fling it. <laughs> that would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> but I think it's less efficient than Storm. <laughs> it's like, sure, you can build it up and then fling it, or you could just Tendrils of Agony them. Okay, uh, if you build it up and fling it, perhaps you're in two colors? Uh, what, just white-red? Yeah. Yeah, do all the the red uh, red ritual cards. Yeah, whatever the hell you want. I don't know. I, I could definitely see that in in modern. 
That might be good in modern. Yeah, just enlighten Tudor up a blood moon, keep doing stupid stuff for a little while, fling it. Doesn't even have to be a storm. It doesn't have to storm <laughs> in one turn. Like right. you can just land it and then start doing stupid stuff. You know, I mean, one of the cute things is that if you cast the second one, it actually puts a counter on the first one anyway. It does. Yeah, and this <laughs> thing gets gross in multiples. <laughs> it's just funky. Yeah. It's also a really good mana sync because, you know, sometimes that ability of two colors and a white put a lore counter on it is relevant. Sure. You know, I can see a deck uh, using a lot of mana to, I mean, even in that deck you were saying, you know, cast a lot of rituals, the rituals add a counter, and then you can use the mana to sync into it to add more counters. Oh, that's pretty fucking cute, and then you can fling it. And then you can fling <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't know how competitive that is, but, oh, pe- you know... Well, people are going to be afraid of fling. <laughs> you're talking You're talking to the guy who made uh, Cloud Knot, so yeah. <laughs> I have no, no room to judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, though, I didn't really see anything else in the set that caught my eye. Did you? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. I, even apparently standard players aren't really liking this set that much either. Just seems like it's the EDH set. <laughs> well, the unfortunate thing is that uh, the only card I have to get excited about is a one-drop white enchantment. Like, that's, I don't know, that kind of makes me a little sad. Um I but, mean, every set can't have treasure cruise. No, but that's that's perfectly fine. There are there are other things that I'm actually excited about anyway. Um, I mean, th- I'm sure there's some cool stuff in here that I'll fuck around with later on. I haven't really been paying attention to the spoilers because there has to be something for, like th- uh, all right. So you weren't there last weekend, and this weekend is pre-release, so you won't be there this weekend either. Oh, uh, really? You didn't know that? Uh, no. Yeah, buddy, this weekend's pre-release, so you... Oh, that's so weekend. annoying. <laughs> well, you, no, how come you weren't there last week? I was down in Pennsylvania oh, yeah. trying to win well, some duels. All right, at the same token, all right, Sunday was vintage, wasn't it? It was, but I was in Pennsylvania. Because there were guys that were there Sunday that had just left Pennsylvania from Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those guys are beasts. And I'm like, <laughs> they, they, they were up in... So they went to... It was a couple of guys I'd never even met before, like from New Bedford and stuff. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Andrew and Oscar. And, and they were really cool. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I saw them down there. Yeah, so I was uh, talking to them at the case, and uh, Oscar had just won a foreign scrubland. And, Ooh, and, uh, German, yeah. And I was talking to Andrew a bit, and which brings me to another topic. Uh, so, so this weekend, I, I ended up, it was kind of funny. I ended up, um, so when Bob was on, he was talking about uh, Romario Neto uh, from Virginia that also plays Tinfins. From what he said, he said he plays Gorio's Vengeance anyway. And I looked, and I, and I didn't want to argue it. It looked like Burning Reanimator. Yep. So I actually took uh, Romario's 75 and sleeved it up to try Burning Reanimator. Now, nice. for with the LEDs? With the LEDs. So for anybody that's not familiar, uh, so the main differences between Tinfins and Burning Reanimator is that Tinfins plays Tendrils of Agony main deck, and it also plays Silence. Burning Reanimator plays Tendrils of Agony sideboard and accesses it with Burning Wish. So, so the difference is that Burning Reanimator has access to Void Snare main deck, um, as well as uh, Show and Tell and Exhum and Reanimate shit like that. Uh, Tinfins has access to Silence. Faithless looting. Yeah, no, no faithless looting. No, really? No, because like, well, the thing is, you you cast Shallow Grave and then crack LED with it on the stack. I mean, if Grizzlebrand's in your hand, oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, it would be the same case with Faithless Looting. Yeah, but 
I just liked having the ability to get a card draw spell and a discard spell, just a little bit more flexible than just having the LEDs. I'm not, I'm not knocking Faithless Looting. I, I, when I play Modern, I like that Corio's Vengeance <laughs> deck. I'm yeah. not knocking it. That deck gets a turn one kill in Modern. Um, mm-hmm. so, so anyway, so I sleeved it up and it was kind of funny because, you know, I play this kid round one. What was he playing? Merfolk. Uh, I lost to him. And the first thing he stands up, turns around, and he's telling his buddy, you know, well, what was he playing? Well, he's got Grizzlebrand and Emrakul. You know, it's, it was, it was the nonsense. But, um, <laughs> so then, you know, I go, I smoke a cigarette and then I see his buddy round two and his buddy's like, and I had a buy and his buddy's like, oh, you like Tin Fins, huh? And I'm like, I fucking love that deck. He's like, is that what you're playing? I said, no. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody assumes it's Tinfins, but it's Burning Reanimator, and only I guess only I know the difference. Um, well, it, it's kind of like the difference between Ad Nauseam Tendrils and uh, the Perfect Storm. Right. Well, the Epic Storm. The Epic Storm. Yeah. yeah. The, per- the Perfect not, Storm was a movie. Not the shitty '90s movie. <laughs> hey, that movie wasn't shitty. That was a pretty cool movie. <laughs> all right, all right, but yeah, it's it's pretty much the same difference uh, as as between those two decks to the. Uninitiated, they look like the same deck, but for people who actually play the decks, there's a, there's some pretty significant differences. Yeah, especially in lines of play. The other thing I actually liked about Romario's deck um, was he can access Abrupt Decay the way Tinfins can't, which makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, you know, if I were to play it again, I would change it a bit. Um, not a hell of a lot because I actually the the deck was pretty cool. It was pretty fun the way it was. Um, but I would change it a little bit. Anyway, I don't want to go into a whole long fucking thing about Tinfins. But so <laughs> so I did go and I did play. There were a couple of guys that had just come up from Pennsylvania, and this is kind of where I was going with that. Uh, I was talking with Andrew, and he's um, had a history of playing Food Chain. Mm-hmm. And I traded in a video game system, and uh, I picked up four copies of Food Chain and four Ooh. and four copies of Infernal Tutor. So the next thing to find out is, do I get a Lion's Eye Diamond and build Tess, or do I get uh, four Mist Hollow Griffins and put together food chain? Oh, look at that. Um, now, I'm not exactly sure which way I'm going to go at the moment, and it really doesn't matter. The uh, the thing is, is I, I picked up some cards to put together, a couple of new decks. And then I was actually at a store in Southbridge, <clears throat> and there was a few kids there, I went in looking for Mist Hollow Griffins and he didn't have any, but the kids, uh, you know, one of them wanted to do some, asked me if I had anything for trade. He wanted some part of a combo. They, I guess they play EDH and he wanted to do some infinite combo that I think is in standard where you take infinite turns with Sage of Hours and something that bolsters five, what, roaring something. Oh, like yeah. That. So those cards were in the case and, you know, I asked him if he had like, he's like, well, is there anything you're looking for? I said, you have Mist Hollow Griffins and he goes, no, I don't have any. I said, what about a Genesis Hydra? He's like, actually, I have one in my deck. So he took it out, and and um, yeah, he went through my binder. You know, there were some things that he wanted, but he knew that they were all beyond like a Genesis Hydra. Right. So, but I got I got him the combo pieces that he wanted out of the case. I asked him if there was anything else he wanted anyway, and then I gave him one of the proxy Lilianas that I made. <laughs> and because uh, I told him like, you know, if you want, I can, I'll give you this, I'll get you that. And I'll give uh, you know you and your friends each one of these Lilianas. He's like, well, then you're helping them out more than me. <laughs> I said, well, that's what friendships about, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I have a Genesis Hydra for you too. Sure, I could use one. And then I still got to go pick up four Mist Hollow Griffins anyway. Uh, yeah. 
so I can I so I figure I'll probably sleeve up food chain and see what that's like. It looks like uh the only thing in in the list that I was seeing that I don't have is clicks. And uh hmm. I don't think I'm terribly concerned about it. I'm just more just yeah. messing around with it. It's not super necessary. It's nice to have because it's both a tempo piece and a uh, uh, counter to combo. Yep. And the deck is pretty weak to combo decks, but it's not super necessary. No. And, you know, I'd be curious to try a few things. I mean, the nice thing about Click, I mean, apparently when I was asking, uh, I was talking to Andrew, I said, you know, what does it play for two drops? He's like, really? Just probably Baleful Strix. So you you could, I could Baleful Strix into a Click, into a Mist Hollow Griffin. Yeah, I, 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 you could easily replace the uh, Vendelian Quest with Baleful Strix. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea to click myself, too, just in case I need to get that extra piece. But I'm not terribly, like I said, I'm not terribly concerned about it. It's just something to play with and screw around with anyway. Right, I mean, it, it has the Caracas lock, too, where you just uh, get four mana, one of the lands being Caracas, and then just you continually bounce Vendelian Click, play Vendelian Click to keep your opponent off anything relevant in their hand. Oh, I actually uh, don't have a Caracas. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not necessary. It's just a kind of another two-card combo that's not back... It's not, uh, you know, game-winning, but... No, but can it, definitely it, it, games. Yeah, and it can help protect your combo deck. You know, exactly. It, it helps protect your combo anyway. Like, there was, uh... So, so, um... A little closer to putting together a couple of different decks, and, uh... But I made it up there Sunday. How was... How was Philly? Philly was good. I didn't do as well as I was hoping, oh, but yeah, I went. Uh, I went three four drop. Um, I was gonna drop. I picked up my third loss in the sixth round, so I was gonna drop then. But I ended up playing one more round for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, was not prepared for the meta in the slightest. Why? What was uh, it? You were playing Bug Delver, right? I was. I was playing Bug Delver. Uh, talked to Bob a lot. Uh, Bob was actually at the tournament, so it was good seeing him in person again. Cool. And uh, he gave me some pointers about, uh, you know, playing the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, that definitely improved my games following that. But was not prepared for the meta at all because there was almost no blue in the room. Really? Uh, yeah, very, very non-blue heavy. In my, uh, what is it, the seven matches I played, I only played two blue decks, which is unheard of. What'd you play? So, running down them quickly. Uh, first match was against Rug. Uh, which I lost. Second match was against Elves, which I won. Uh, third match was against Rug again, almost the exact same deck list, uh, which I lost again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I uh, spoke with Bob, because the, I'm playing the uh, heavy black version of the deck, running him to Torak, uh, Liliana, and Thoughtseize over uh, Stifle, uh, Spell Pierce, and True Name Nemesis. Mm-hmm. And that version of the deck is really susceptible to the rug stifle versions because they their curves a little bit lower than yours, and they just can wreck you so much better on your mana. I was getting stifle wastelanded out of those games, and the advice that Bob gave me that was really good was usually in the de- fair Delver deck matchups, both uh, Delver decks will side out their force of wills because it's not very good in the matchup. Everyone's cards do equal, you know, are equal in the power level. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have any combo pieces or really powerful cards like Jace or Entreat the Angels that Miracles runs. So you board out the uh, Force of Wills because they just um, are basically card disadvantage. So you board out the Force of Wills because it's not a good card. <laughs> I didn't say that. 
I did not say <laughs> it's that. a necessary evil, but not against those decks. Right. You know, it, if you don't have to run it, you shouldn't run it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's usually something you board out in those matchups because it's card disadvantage and it's not that great. But Bob actually told me in those matchups he leaves them in because the stifle is so backbreaking out of the rug decks that you need to have the force of will for it. Mm-hmm. And he was really right, um, because every time I got Stifle, it was always followed by a Wasteland, and I was always out of the game. Hmm. So, you know, first, in the first three matches, I was down one, one win, two losses, both my losses to Rug Delver. Um, pretty much out of the tournament at that point. Uh, when you pick up two losses that early, it, prospects don't look good, but, uh, you know, my other friends, they were doing well, so I played, stayed in it for fun. Um, after that, I versed Punishing Maverick, which I won. Wow. Then I versed Lands, which I lost. He, uh, it was a little bit of a karma because I beat Punishing Maverick by getting the Life from the Loam Wasteland combo against Punishing Maverick. Okay. And then against Lands, that's how Lands beat me. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> karma coming back to me. Hmm. Uh, then I versed Belcher, which I won. <laughs> okay. Because you know, it's Belcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then finally I lost lost to Elves. Hmm. Uh, when actually, man, it was hilarious because Elves blew me out with a card I have never seen before. What's that? Uh, have you ever heard of Ren's Run Packmaster? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's from Lorwyn. But I was so confused because in the match he green sun zenith for four. Mm-hmm. And I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, what does Elves Green Sun Zenith for four for? Yeah. I've never seen that before. So obviously the first time I counter it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my Elves opponent was, uh, he had the top deck gods on his side because he top decked Green Sun Zenith three times in a row. <laughs> so by the third Green Sun Zenith, I just couldn't counter it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was winning the game. I had a Delver and two Tarmogoyfs in play. Mm-hmm. To his mostly empty board, he was at chump block mode, mm-hmm. but he had a couple just like nettle senators and um, other stuff, and a Gaia's cradle, which let him kept uh, green sunsing the thing. Yep. Um, but I kept keeping him off combo pieces, so he couldn't win, and I was whittling him down with the Delver while the Tarmogoyfs held back his elf army. Okay. But finally, after the the third green sun zenith, it resolved, and he pulls up a Ren's Run Packmaster, which this thing is from Lorwyn. Three colorless and a green, so four. Mm-hmm. So it's out of abrupt decay range, which is really annoying. Okay. It's champion and elf. When it comes into play, you have to sacrifice unless you remove another elf you control from the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 5-5, five, five, so it's bigger than Tarmogoyf. Okay. And then it has two colorless and a green. Put a 2-2 two, two green wolf creature token into play. And wolves you control have death touch. <laughs> So okay. he puts that, yeah, puts that thing into play, and he has a Gaia's Cradle out, and this thing gets oh, insane with Gaia's Cradle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and plus he had, you know, all the, the elves that let him untap his lands, so he was, like, making a bunch of mana and making a shit ton of wolves. Okay. And literally s- snatched the game away from me on the back of that one card. Huh. You know, I was I was two turns away from killing him with Delver of Secrets, yeah. but he just made a whole bunch of elves and killed me. Huh. I'm oh, sorry, not elves, uh, wolves. Right, right. With things without reach, anyway. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just I absolutely blew me out with that card, and I'd never seen it before. So, well, that was a lesson learned. Hmm. That's the, you know, that kind of sounds like something I want to do. 
Yeah, not, not not like play that deck, but I was talking about using the Gaius Cradle a little while ago in a certain way. It's, yeah, it's, with it's, like token producers. I mean, Gaius Cradle. I'm surprised no one's made a Bant deck with a uh, Thopter Foundry Gaius Cradle. You gave it away, buddy. <laughs> I don't think it was that hidden. <laughs> no, I was talking about that a little while ago, though. I want to do uh, Thopter Foundry Sword of the Meek with a Cradle, just to yeah. just to see how that like would interact, where I could just each turn double the number of fucking creatures I have and keep bulking up my life total. <laughs> I think what you meant to say is the next turn your opponent scoops out of frustration. <laughs> Something. Something. <laughs> or wastelands me. <laughs> like yeah. I w- exactly. I was thinking I should... I, I was tempted to play Elves this weekend, but I didn't have a prepared sideboard for it, so I just left it alone. Yeah, I don't know why more Elves players don't run that card. That card gets around a four. Yeah, but it, I mean, that's not really a big problem for Elves. Sure. It may cost four, but it's out of Abrupt Decay range. Yeah. Uh, it's out of Lightning Bolt range. You know, you can basically either Swords to Plowshare it or Dismember it. Like, I don't think Bug can beat that card. Sure. Sure. So, def- I, I don't know if it was in his sideboard or his main deck, but that's definitely a great card for Elves to bring in against Bug. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so the room was just really, really non-blue heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to people, and there was something like 20 to 25 lands decks, Jeez. which I was shocked at. How many people were there? Uh, 311. Okay. So almost uh, almost 10% of the room was lands. And the rest was bug. So how well did, like, fucking Mono Red Sneak Attack do? Against <laughs> uh, <laughs> lands and bug. Yeah, I didn't see any there, but... <laughs> any Blood Moons? Def- uh, lots of Blood Moons running around. I saw, uh, you know, the top tables, I saw, like, two Mud decks near the top tables. Mm. Uh, lots of Maverick, lots of Lands. Um, Dan Holland, our buddy, he actually did really well. He was running uh, the Rock, Black Green, Smallpox. Dan was? Yeah. Wow. He, en- he ended up coming in uh, 43rd out of 311, running Smallpox, Black Green version. Okay, did he leave with Land? Uh, he didn't leave with the land, but he left with, uh, he used store credit to buy, uh, foil bloodstained mire and, uh, you know, a bunch of booster packs. We all drafted after the tournament, too. Oh, okay. So, yep. yeah, they were giving, uh, they were giving, uh, black border dual lands to 32nd place. Oh, okay. So he was, you know, 10 or 12 people away. Mm-hmm. But he did the best out of all of us. I think Bob came in like, uh, 38th or something oh, like that. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, the blue decks just kind of got pushed out of that meta. I've never been in a meta like that before. Mm. Just very heavily, um, you know, mid-range, grindy, maverick, blood moon, lands decks. Um, I, there just wasn't that much combo in the room. Um, Nick Wilbur was kind of kicking himself because he was between uh, blue, white, red, and reanimator. And he grabbed blue, white, red. He grabbed blue, white, red, and I think reanimator would have done really well in that meta. Mm. So, you know... Um, wasn't the best, but definitely a learning experience. Um, I learned that uh, my mana base was not ideal, which I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't get a chance to play the deck in a tournament before going down to that. What is that? Um, so my mana base was uh, four Underground Sea and three Tropical Islands, and then eight Fetchlands and four Wastelands. Wait, wait, wait. Four, and, four Underground Seas, three Tropical Islands, and then what? Uh, eight Fetchlands. Okay. And four and wastelands. Okay. Four wastelands. And I thought that was going to be pretty good. That's usually what you like running all blue dual lands when you're running days because you don't like right. being in the position where you can't bounce a land to days. Yep. And multiple times throughout the day, 
I was on, I had an underground sea in play, yep. and I have a fetch land, and I need a fetch of lands, and in my hand I have a Himdatorak and a Tarmogoyf. Uh. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this I want to buy you so bad right now, and I don't have one in my deck. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was a mistake. Um, so I'm going to turn one of the tropical islands into a bayou, and then also, after getting just wastelanded all day, I'm going to bump the land count up and shave another card, probably the Sylvan Library from the main deck, and uh, add, a, add a second bayou in as well, just to bump my land count up, because I got mana screwed in a lot of my games that I lost. Uh, so you're playing Deathrite, right? I am playing Deathrite, but it doesn't matter if you don't resolve Deathrite in the first place. Right, but I'm I'm just kind of curious why I bumped the land count up when you could just add Life from the Loam. Because then you could actually get people with a Wasteland lock. Uh, Life of the Loam's really slow is the problem. It's it's definitely a good sideboard card. I bring it in against the grindy matchups. Okay. But in the blue... Like, I just think that meta was a little out of the ordinary. Sure. Um, in any blue-heavy matchup, the Life from the Loam main deck just isn't fast enough. Okay. It would have been good in that meta just because there was a lot of grindy mid-range decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to be running into that meta again soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least I hope not. That was a miserable meta. <laughs> I was not prepared for it at all. Mm. 25, okay. 25 land de- decks are coming to SCG Worcester. Yeah, I know, right? I'm pretty sure every tabernacle ever printed was in that room that day. <laughs> yeah, so many tabernacles in the room. Um, the trip wasn't a complete loss, though, because they had a bunch of vendors there, mm-hmm. and they were pricing things to move. Oh, okay. Um, I got three Scrublands for $130. Wow. Which is basically buy two, get the third free pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a Korean Liliana of the Veil vale for $80. Wow. Which is shocking because the English ones are at about a hundred right now. I was I was going to get into that. I was going to get into that a little bit later because you were saying what you learned at this event, and I was going to tell you know what I learned this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liliana of the Veil vale is more expensive than Jace now. What do you? But, uh, oh, real? No. That, yeah, she's more expensive than Jace, but that's a recent development, and I ended up lucking out because I got the Korean one for super cheap. Mm-hmm. So got a discount on the Korean one, which I was happy about. So I'm now a proud owner of that. And, oh, also, one of the vendors there are actually from Italy. Okay. So, um, not many people know this, but I've been, for the last two years, trying to complete a playset of Italian brainstorms. And I was finally, after two years, able to complete that through the Italian vendors. He literally just, like, went into it. Like, I told him the story about how I've been trying to complete this playset for so long. And he literally, like, went into one of his deck boxes behind the scenes and just like, <laughs> here, here, here's four Italian brainstorms. Uh, here you go. Wow. So that was that was really nice of him. So uh, it was great. I, um, I got a correction for you though. Liliana's not more than Jace. Uh, she was at the time. Okay. Uh, I checked up on the weekend. All right, actually, see. no, you probably got me. Jace is ninety nine ninety nine. Lil- okay. Liliana is ninety five eighty five, and this is on SCG. But Liliana is ninety five eighty five out of stock. So yeah. we'll go with that. <laughs> so pr- they're they're at least the same, if not Liliana more oh, expensive right. than Chase. I looked in the case and I saw Liliana at ninety two, and I'm like, wow, you gotta be fucking shitting me. I'm not even like playing. Yeah. I'm not even playing them. I should be selling them now. Because you know what yeah. else I noticed? You know what Snapcaster Mage is at? Uh, he's like forty, forty five, fifty, fifty. Wow, not surprised. Fucking silly. I, yeah, I think but... it was fifty. Let's see, as uh, SCG fifty one oh nine out of stock. Yep. Not surprised. 
Could have got some at uh, the event. But, uh, yeah, Tales Tales of Adventure, they're the store down in Pennsylvania who put it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, they organize a great event. Um, they did an awesome job. Uh, they, I, oh, I got to meet Eric Klug. Oh, okay, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was there, got his business card. going to get him to alter a couple of my uh, EDH cards for me. But mm-hmm. real nice guy. Got a chance to meet him, talk to him a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a sick, sick alter while there. Um, he had a Mox Jet. And he painted, replaced the art with the Magic Online art, and it literally looked like it was printed on the card. That's how good his his painting was. Wow. Like, an exact replica of the Magic Online art. It looked like it had been printed. Hmm. So, he's an amazing artist. I can't wait to get him to do a couple altars for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tales of Adventure, if you're in the area, it's in uh, Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. If you're in the area, definitely go there. Awesome store. They run a great event, and sounds like they're going to be trying to make this a uh, consistent thing. Oh, like an annual? Yeah, they're trying to make it like the Bazaar of Moxon of the U.S. Oh, shit. That'd be fucking sweet. Yeah, they announced the next tournament they're having uh, is a dual land tournament where first place gets a uh, complete f- uh, play set of all, all the duels. Okay. So, uh, I'm sorry, not play set, um... Yeah, like complete playset. So four of every duel. Four, so first place gets forty duel lands. Mm-hmm. So that that's gonna be an awesome tournament to go to. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, they run a smooth event, and I was quite happy, even though I didn't win. Uh, I still got some good deals on cards, and it was an awesome time. Cool. Yeah, and uh, you said you went to a diner down there. Yeah, we went to a terrible, terrible diner. Was it? <laughs> It was just J- it was called like JP's Diner, mm-hmm. and we go in there, and it felt like we were in like a lobby of like a hair salon. <laughs> like it was like whitewashed walls. Um, the tables were like patio furniture, like plastic pa- patio <laughs> furniture. Okay, yeah. All the food was really bad and burned. The waitress was terrible. <laughs> okay. Really made me uh, miss the Worcester Diner. Just, I, I, I gotta tell you, I went, I went for a walk. It must have been Saturday. I went to the PO box to get some fucking mail, and I'm walking back, and and I go by Carl's Diner, and uh, this guy's like, I see him like get out of his car, walk up to the diner, and like almost break the door because he's trying to push the door. But it, mm-hmm. you know, in Worcester and around Worcester, most of the diners are diner cars from the. They used to be the Worcester Diner Car Company that would build these diner cars for trains. So the doors don't open like doors. They slide. <laughs> so, right, right. so I'm watching this guy push on the door, bang on the door. It's it's kind of like when you're like, you're, tr- <laughs> you're, you're pulling the door forever and you can't get the fucking thing to open and you read it says push. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it was cute. It was cute. Uh-huh. Oh, also, before I forget, uh, early scoop in the top eight, um, guy I met down there, Mark Strassman, uh, he was the one on... Uh, uh, Punishing Maverick. Okay. Uh, yeah, real nice guy. Was talking to him after the show. Said he was going to check out the podcast. So if you're listening, here's your shout out, Mark. Um, I give him props because he was super nice and friendly, even when I was beating him with Wasteland Life of the Loom combo. Okay. Which is probably the most painful way to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even in the face of that, he was still he was still nice. So I, I just wanted to give him uh, props for that. Hmm. And. Uh Wow, are we already going into topic. <laughs> <laughs> nope, false alarm, everyone. Oh. I just wanted to get get that off my get that off my agenda. Well, <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you a little bit about fucking what you missed anyway when you were gone. Yeah. So I was at TE, and uh, in round one I ended up playing against Merfolk, and um, 
I only got him in game two. Round two, I played against Brett. Um, and Brent fucking... I don't know if he was doing Bug Delver or what. But, like, game one... Um, he he got me in well it was in three so he must he must have got game one but game two I like I had like cabal therapy thought sees maybe duress or some shit and I like I think I duress something out of his hand and I saw pything needle spell pierce oh that's what it was I think I cast duress I saw spy, spell pierce pything needle triple death right shaman Oh god! I'm like, all right, I'll take the spell pierce, and then I cast Cabal Therapy. I'm like, pything needle, flash it back, death right shaman. <laughs> like, <laughs> stripped his hand. Uh, how we? How did you flash back the? Uh, I, I don't even or... fucking remember. I might have just sacked fucking. I I forget. I, I some, like, <laughs> you cheated. I, what you're trying to say is you cheated. No, I, I think I might have had duress Cabal Therapy, Cabal Therapy, and I did it all off a of dark ritual. Okay, that it was it was something, but like, I, so I stripped his hand. I didn't build anything up. He killed me with a double for the Tarmacoif. I'm like, dude, I like Cabal Therapy, Triple Death Right Shaman. I really thought uh, that was going better than that. Yeah, I've done that too. Like, I've gotten a four for one off Cabal Therapy and still lost the game. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it was awesome. He got me, he got me good. Um, yep. And, 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 uh, that just shows you need a threat. You can't just control your opponent. You need to put pressure on them too. Yep. And then I, I, uh, I lost to Miracles. And I think that's that's part of the deck that I uh, changed. There was um, it got to like I had I had all combo ready to go, but there was a counterbalance on the on the table, and I was just looking to top deck one. I needed to top deck an abrupt decay so I could get rid of the counterbalance on the table, then cabal therapy what was in the hand, then combo out, you know. But right. so I liked I liked the burning reanimator where it had access to abrupt decay the way ten fins doesn't. Um, I'm not actually sure which one I feel is faster, but it, not, indifferent. Um, and then I played against Steve, and Steve was cool. Steve's a cool guy. He beat me in too. But like mm-hmm. the uh, so yeah, the, the thing was like the triple tri- triple death right on a Cabal therapy, and I still I still lost out to it. That was awesome. That was really that was right. awesome. Um, yep. I'm kind of disappointed uh, next week's pre-release. Everyone else is so excited for the new set to come out, and I just want to play some more Legacy. Oh, well, then you should have come up there, at least during the parade, because the other guy did. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm kicking myself, because I would have found out my mana base was terrible. <laughs> That's probably a good point. You know, I was actually tempted to go down to... Um, so I got a hold of this one guy on Facebook who was selling his Belcher deck and his LEDs. I was tempted to go down to Ice Imports Tuesday, and <laughs> I didn't make it down there, but I think now... Uh, now I'll, I'll probably end up making it to some more uh, events anyway, local or not. But you like, well, actually, yeah. I mean, at, at this point, I probably, aside from the, uh, yeah, I, I may, I may make some more effort to make it to some events, like things like uh, Tuesday night ice imports or. Yeah, there's there's a place uh, by me that does uh, Tuesday night drafts and drafts at a uh, local bar. Okay. So they have uh, they have drafting at the bar with full service. That sounds cool. So yeah, I thought I might check that out. Yeah. Oh, I just realized. So this Sunday's pre-release, and then the Sunday after that is Modern. So I'm not going to play Legacy for three weeks. I think the. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Man. Just getting getting my taste in before it cuts me off again. <laughs> well, you had the chance. You could have been coming up for a while now. You just. Uh, I'm sorry. The Irish Brigade was <laughs> forcefully keeping me from playing Legacy. <laughs> well, there's also uh, 
I'm trying to think if this Saturday or Sunday Legacy in Connecticut, because, uh, you know, we could fucking... They'll, they, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure every store is doing pre-release this weekend. Sure, this weekend. But, no, there, actually, there is, uh, yeah, there is this Sunday. You know what? Give me a second here, because, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I've, I've seen it. I know there was, like, Legacy at 2 o'clock on Sundays. I just have to remember what fucking store had it. And and I know the easiest way for me to find it is Connecticut Legacy Scene on Facebook. Uh Wakil Ahmed posted up You're just you're just looking at Celsius Facebook page, aren't you? <laughs> well that wouldn't that be your Facebook page? I mean my alternative Facebook page. No, Sunday two PM Greed Games five dollar entry, prize equals credit. So there's two there's two PM Legacy on Sundays. Yeah, but you'd probably want to head home early. I was going to say, you can meet up with me. We'll fucking drive down there and play. You know, I'll drive from here. Yeah, I mean, what time do you... Yeah, but... If it's 2 p.m. 2 p.m. could probably go to 6, be back in Oxford for 7, you'd be home at 8. Yeah. You're probably not up for that. I may I may head down there just for the hell of it, just to go fucking play, but... Yeah, I may just play in a Legacy Daily and, you know, not have to wear pants. I, I try not wearing pants at the per, at the in person events, and you know people yell at me. So I don't know, man. It, it looks like um, I don't play MTGO, and I know you were talking about how it's different. People would keep greedy mana bases and shit like that because Wasteland's so expensive. Yeah, that's about to change though. Uh, they're about they're coming out with Tempest Remastered, which is basically here's some Wastelands dot set. <laughs> sure, but it is what what it is for the moment, right? Yeah, um, it's really heavy miracle based because it's probably the best deck that doesn't run wasteland on moto. Yeah, sure. I mean, there was, uh, you know, my my thinking was um, uh, Thomas Leguin was sharing a link to Caleb Durwood's uh, Tinfins video on Channel Fireball. So of mm-hmm. course I want to watch that. You know, and and the the. The build looked different, and I know he was—you know—he was saying it was an older build. Um, it, it looked strange to me for a couple of reasons, but you know, it, each each person kind of builds their own thing. Like he had a, so for an example, he had four Grizzle Brands in the deck and two Children of Corliss, and no Tendrils of Agony. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it was just like a different—you know—he took. I- yeah, I've seen Caleb Derwald's list run that before. He doesn't like Tendrils of Agony for some reason, but I just think it's a mistake. It's only one slot in your deck. You can find room for one copy, and it's the alternative win condition when your opponent slams down a uh, ensnaring bridge. Um, like that deck, that deck has no game against a lot of uh, sideboard cards that hate it out. Actually, yeah, okay, it actually does. That build would have no answer to ensnaring bridge. That's what I always liked about. You know, the versatility was like, I'd have game against Ensnaring Bridge or Ley Line of Sanctity. It didn't really matter. Um, actually, uh, wait a minute. Just Tendrils of Agony is each opponent, isn't it? Yeah, each opponent. Yeah, so Tendrils already gets around Ley Line of Sanctity. Um, because I... No? No, uh, no, no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's That's what it gets around. Tendrils of Agony gets around Energy Field. That's what it is. Yep, exactly. Um, so... You know, I like the I like the versatility of having the two win conditions. I, I was watching his video just to see if maybe it was more streamlined, but then when I was watching it against the decks he was playing, it seemed like it was it was it was awkward. Like I'm not familiar with Moto, you know, but like 
I know he played against Miracles. I was, I was just, it was a cool video to be watching. Um, because I'll take insights. I mean, shit, I'm not, I'm not close-minded and dense. <laughs> like I'm trying to. Right. I, I, it, and of course, you know, I'll, I'll take insights from people who play the deck, and uh, I'll take insights from Caleb Derwood. No, no doubt. Um, but I was noticing his build looked different, and then I wasn't sure if it was also looking different because the Magic Online game looks different. Uh, I haven't seen his actual build yet, but um, my biggest thing with Magic Online is that if you play a slow deck, it's really prone to uh, lag, mm-hmm. and I've been finding myself lagging out of a lot of games because I'm playing a countertop deck. I'm playing. Uh, I'm still playing Cloud Knot on there. <laughs> okay. And I just find myself lagging out a bunch just because you know the deck's already slow, so you need to make the most efficient use of your time. Mm-hmm. And if it takes the game 30 seconds to recognize each trigger, you're going to run out of time real quick. Mm. So I basically have to 2-0 all of my matches in order to actually win, otherwise I lag out. And there's no draw on Magic Online. It's kind of like in uh, chess, where each player has their own clock. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to time on your clock, you lose. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it's my computer. I don't. It, I'm sure if I had a better computer, it wouldn't have as much lag issues. But I definitely noticed when they switched to the new client, um, my lag issues went way up. And I play other games that use way more, uh, you know, memory and RAM than Magic Online, and those games run fine. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a trade-off. It's not ideal, but it it gets the fix in. Mm. There's there's a couple cards I still want in Magic Online, and I pretty much have. I can build most decks I want, and that's Stifle, Wasteland, and Show and Tell. Um, the rest of the cards are actually really cheap, which I like, so I was able to... I have a pretty decent Legacy collection on there now. Okay. Do you... Man, it's fucking sad. Stifle used to be worth something. <laughs> it's still worth something online. <laughs> Do you, you, know, you know what the conspiracy Stifle is worth? Uh, I'm going to go with $5. Okay, 6 Six and then what the scourge ones like twelve ten ten yeah that they were selling the scourge ones for like five dollars at the uh, Pennsylvania tournament. Shit was like thirty five. Uh, Tales of Picture. Shit was yeah. thirty five before fucking conspiracy, which is alright. It's just uh, like I'm I'm looking at it going, you know, it, it apparently it's a good fucking card. It's because it was it was in the set right before uh, Modern. It was one set away from being printed in Modern Legal, and if it was Modern Legal, I guarantee you it would be a lot more expensive than it is. Sure, yeah, but before Conspiracy, it probably would have been like a hundred hundred and fifty dollar card. Hmm. Because that card would see all the play in Modern. <laughs> yes. You know, countering Kiki Jiki triggers, uh, countering Splinter Twin triggers. I used to, I used uh, to do, I used to play when I was playing Modern. I'd play Merfolk. I'd play Trickbind. Yeah, I mean, Trickbind itself sees play. Yeah, well, the thing, the thing I liked about it was I would play Pact the Negation in Trickbind and Merfolk. <laughs> but it would, it, it would also give me something to do against like, um, what the fuck is that silly thing? What's the one that does the shit with the lands? Valakut Scapeshift. So I would, I would, I would oh, yeah. Trickbind the Cascade trigger. Right, yeah, there's just so many valid targets for uh, Stifle and Trickbind in Modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it just it flooded the market with a Conspiracy, and just the Legacy market couldn't eat it up. Um, I was hoping that because the Conspiracy art was so terrible, the original would <laughs> hold some value, but <laughs> guess not that much. Hmm, now that you mention it. Oh my god, Misdirection's fucking, well, worth nothing. 
I mean, I love it because I needed a lot of those cards, not Stifle, but I got the Stifles when Scourge was printed anyways. <laughs> so, I mean, I got the Stifles for $5 as is. Okay. <laughs> but that's because I was cracking them out of booster packs. Um, what a fucking difference. All right, so the Marcadian Masks uh, misdirection is 10 bucks. What yep. do you think the foil is? Uh, I would say like $100. 150 out of stock. Yeah, not surprised. <laughs> EDH man, EDH. Is that what you think it is? So, yeah. so I noticed on the spoilers, oh. your Force of Will was printed. <laughs> yep, we finally saw the mystery was solved. Uh, for those who didn't see it, picture someone did some Photoshop kung fu to make it look like uh, Force of Will was being printed in Kanzatark here. But what it really was is this card called Contradict, which is a counterspell for three colorless blue blue. So I can see how the person who saw that. You know, immediately thought of Force of Will, and it's counter target spell, draw a card. Hmm. Not quite Force of Will. <laughs> but it replaces itself. You don't have to discard something to it. It's still not very good. I'm pretty sure there's a one, there's a counter spell that costs four and lets you draw a card as well. So, not the best. What I've actually noticed, speaking of reprints, mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a lot of really cool reprints in uh, Dragons of Tarkir with really good art. Really? Did you see? Yeah, they brought back, uh, what's it called? Where did he just go? One of my favorite goblins from Onslaught. Shambling Goblin. There he is. Hmm. Uh, one black for a 1-1. One, one. When he dies, target creature and opponent controls gets minus 1, minus 1 until end of turn. Uh, he was really good in uh, Limited, both uh, Onslaught Limited, and he was also in uh, Vintage Masters Limited, okay. where he was pretty good. And I just really like the art on it. It's like this little zombie gremlin thing coming out of the grave. Um, the new art on Pacifism also looks really cool. It reminds me of like where the wild things are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big troll guy looking down at this little, what looks like a little kid wearing samurai armor. Mm. So I, I really like that art on pacifism. Yeah, most... But, most, you know, you don't care about the art, do you? No, not really. I mean, most of the art <laughs> is kind of cool, but it hasn't... Uh, there's been very little... There's been very little artwork that would make me want to get the playmat of it. You know, but... Yeah. I I feel when playmats come to play, it's also just more about what the card is itself. Well, sure, Grizzlebrand. Yeah, Grizzlebrand World, even like the the most expensive playmats are the Brainstorm playmat, the Tarmogoyf playmat, and the Dark Confidant playmat, and then the Squirrel playmat, because squirrels. Mm-hmm. Did you see that uh, SCG Worcester, there's going to be playmats? Did you see that? Uh, what are the playmats? I haven't seen them yet. Okay, uh, let me let me do this then. Oh, where the fuck was it? Um, uh, give me a second here. I want to go to organized play. So, there you go. Take a look at this link. Let's see it. If you scroll about halfway down the page, you'll see limited edition playmat free with open series entry. They Oh, I didn't even realize. This is the SCG open. This isn't even the GP. No, this is just the SCG open. Limited edition playmat oh. free with open series entry. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. SCG is really trying to turn it just into another GP. Uh, its job kind of seems that way, and and so no, I'm not I'm not complaining. So you, but uh, that's that's pretty funny. It's the Savage Punch, but with a penguin and a polar bear. Yes, it's the they're calling it the Polar Punch. 
Polar Punch, nice. Yep. So, so you get a Polar Punch playmat, and you get to play Legacy. And you get to have breakfast at Carl's Diner. And That's pretty awesome. And you get to have breakfast at Miss Worcester. And we might Maybe. even get to see if my buddy Josh <laughs> is doing fucking DJ somewhere. Nice. That's, uh, let's see, it's about three months. I don't know what I just did to my calendar. All of a sudden I'm looking in the year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. There you go. So it's end of May, so we got all of April and half of March, so we're about two and a half months away. Mm, yeah, yeah, about that. Can't wait. Yep, and uh, I know it does fucking sound cool. Nine rounds yeah. starting Saturday at 10 a.m. So, yeah, uh, $50 pre registration. Yeah. Cash. So it used to be forty. So for the extra ten dollars, you get a play mat. Nah, not a bad deal. You also get an extra day of playing. That I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm actually really excited because I, what I noticed for the Legacy tournaments, they run the Winna Box specials, and I just noticed the Legacy Winna Box just never fired because I feel people were just playing and then they were just sick of it after if they lost and scrubbed out. Mm-hmm. But I feel with two days of play. People are going to book the hotel for both nights. Uh, they're going to they're going to play day one, and if they scrub out, it's not like they're going to go home early. I mean, some, I'm sure some people will, but I'm, I know a lot of people will just stay for the uh, the second day. And I feel the Winna Box Legacy events are going to fire a lot more frequently now. Well, they may just they may play modern or standard or something. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I, yeah, I, I, uh, I thought about I, that. I always figured the Legacy Winna Box just doesn't fire because, like, okay. Here's a perfect example. What the fuck do I actually want in a box of Dragons of Tarkir? <laughs> you want Myth Realized. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I could probably just go buy Myth Realized for ten bucks rather than actually fucking watch, I don't know, five people collude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, know what we should actually do? We should get eight people, enter the Legacy Winner Box, and then just have a box to draft with for like a $10 discount. <laughs> So you get eight people. That's actually it's more like a thirty dollar discount. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're like ten dollar winner boxes. So everyone pays ten dollars. We get the booster box, and then we just get to uh, draft among the eight of Is us. Is it ten dollar or twelve? What the fuck do they do for that? Uh, they change the prices every now and then. Last I checked, it was ten dollars, and then like fifteen dollars for the drafts. Uh, oh, look at that Sunday side events expand. I can just see that right fucking there. <laughs> Uh, you know I can't bring Oh, it. <laughs> well, 2 p.m. Sunday is a legacy challenge for 20 bucks. Four rounds of Swiss. There's a modern challenge for 20 bucks. Four rounds of Swiss. Standard Ooh. challenge. Same thing. Two-headed giant. Fuck that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on-demand events. Uh, single elimination, eight-player booster drafts, 10 bucks. Yep. And constructed winner box, 15. That's weird. Uh, Why the fuck is the booster draft 10 and the constructed is 15? Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Well, the the booster drafts don't have a prize other than first place. Oh, that's why. I see. Yep. So uh, I guess our plan fell apart. <laughs> so 15 times 8, uh, that would be, what, actually, no, it's still a pretty good deal. Uh, well, the first place gets 36 booster packs. So the first place yeah. gets a box, so. All oh, right, yeah, 15 but we're times 8. Collusion. Yeah. We're colluding here. Yeah. Uh, that's $120, so... Basically, we don't have to pay tax, is what it works out to. 
four-player Commander Chaos games, $5 entry, $20. Now, yeah, if you want to talk about collusion, that's where you see the real collusion. <laughs> All right, let's the two of us enter a Commander pod. We'll gang up on the other two and then split it among the both of us. I hear that's what happens all the time in Commander Pods. It just seems so whack, too. It's like $5 entry and $20 credit. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah you might as well just play craps in the back, back hall. Ch- chances <laughs> are there's, like, just that many cans in the fucking garbage, like, right at the corner of the room. <laughs> like, what the... Like, oh, my... Ah. Oh. Get a fucking job. I get so fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, man. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I was actually... This thing caught my eye, just because it seems hilarious. The uh, So another spoiler. Living Lore. It's a creature, three colors and a blue. Mm-hmm. It's a star star. When it enters the battlefield, exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Its power and toughness are equal to the exiled card's converted mana cost, and it has, when it deals combat damage, you may sacrifice it. If you do, you can cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. Mm-hmm. So, that's pretty interesting. If you could get a, uh, get a, you know, anything that lets you cheat something into play. Play Enter the Infinite, maybe? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'd be lying if I say I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it become it becomes a ten ten swing deal ten damage and then play Enter the Infinite for free. I'll take that. Hmm. Probably won't ever survive the lightning bolt that's been sitting in your opponent's hand all game because you're playing a creatureless combo deck. But maybe. Why does blue have the cool fucking art? Wow, that is actually. Uh... Yeah, you like the art on that. Well, I'm looking at like a few of the blue cards that actually have some pretty fucking cool art. There was something that just had a fist, Tega Strike, Tagum Strike, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That looks pretty That's cool. cool. Fucking art. Skywise Teachings next to it has cool art. Uh, Profaner of the Dead has fucking cool art. Yeah, I mean, contradict the one that everyone was passing off as Force of Will. I think that would actually be really cool art for Force of Will. It's like a dragon no. backhanding a spell. No. I don't like no. <laughs> even oh, come on. even the, like even the force of, even the judge promo force of will art. I'm not a huge fan of a force of will. I I still I the original alliances artwork is just so fucking cool and it's so cool altered. I've seen it altered so many ways that look yeah. fucking awesome. I haven't even seen cool alters for the judge promo one. Like altering that artwork. I can't, I can't. Well, I think that's also because it costs, you know, $2,000, and people don't want to risk devaluing the card. Sure. And it's also only in foil, and foils are harder to alter than uh, non-foils. Depending on how you alter it. Yeah, but you need a you need kind of almost a specialist to alter a foil. Okay. And if people are dropping two grand on the force wheel as is, they're probably not going to drop another two hundred dollars on an alterist, and then risk not being able to resell that force wheel for someone who doesn't. You know, altering cards is almost the same as getting custom paint jobs on cars. Cars, you spend a lot of money to get it done, but it really lowers its resale value because it's a personal taste, and it's really hard to find someone else that has the same taste as you. No, see. Here's here's what I'm in, like envisioning here. Okay, the original Alliance's Force of Will artwork I have seen altered uh, in ways that were freaking awesome. Like um, Obama ripping up the the 
Cheney Bush sign and like all this fucking shit that I've seen. It, all, I like the Wolverine ones well, where it's just Wolverine with the claws coming yep, out. I mean, all those artworks, the, the position and the pose of the character are fucking awesome uh, for for that, you know? Uh, well, it's also Therese Nielsen who's an amazing artist. And I think it also helps that it looks like a red card. Okay, but like, this contradict? The only thing I can actually imagine... Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it being a dragon or whatever, but is if the dragon was flipping the middle finger back to the man, like, <laughs> like that would be the shit. Or if like it, if it was modified to have, uh, I don't fucking know, Paris Hilton or some shit flipping the bird back the same way, you know, like or <laughs> Lindsay Lohan, yeah, um, or like I don't know, Kanye West or some fucking thing, <laughs> like that. That would be kind of cool, but I just. I'm not a fan of the dragon. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> right. I just try to see it for like any sort of um, altering value, but I don't know, man. I don't think like if that was on a. Fl- I mean, at this point, maybe I'm just so um, jaded. Jaded, yeah. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good way to put it. Like, I, I think I've become so accustomed to just force of well being the way it is. You know, if they if they if they reprinted it with new artwork, yeah, I'm gonna fucking, I'm sure I'll sell my Force of Wills and get those because they're cheaper. You know, and it does the same fucking thing, um, because that's also what I did with Stifle, actually. And uh, but I I'd like to think that, like, I guess, you know, the alternate fucking example is I don't like the original art of Tarmogoyf. I like the new art of Tarmogoyf. Yeah, I'm with you, mostly because when I look at the old art of Tarmogoyf, it takes me a long time to figure out what's actually going on. Okay. See, and the, and the thing with me is, like, the old art Tarmogoyf looks like a teddy bear. And it, it like, it, it doesn't, whenever... I don't know what type of teddy bears you had growing up, <laughs> but that is not what a teddy bear looks it's like. It's just this big fucking furry thing. Like, the new art Tarmogoyf looks like an aggressive, thorned fucking creature. That's You know, it's... Um, like the old art Tarmogoyf looks like this big furry thing that's just grabbing a human you know it doesn't look it doesn't look scary and it's funny because I played against Tarmogoyf for so long and I was never intimidated by it you know like whenever it would hit the field I'm like whatever I'll just fucking get rid of it but once the new art one was printed and then I started playing with it like because then I had Tarmogoyfs I realized how fucking powerful that actually is, that card. So, like, part of me thinks I should be using the old artwork because other people won't be intimidated by the fact that there's a Tarmogoyf on the field. Uh, but I just I just like the new art better myself. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I am. It's interesting that the Modern Masters 2 isn't changing the artwork on Tarmogoyf. I was kind of hoping they would. I was hoping they would. Um, really? How come? Because I just like that artwork so much more. Like, I, I, I would hate to have to chase yeah, down I mean, Modern Masters 1 Tarmogoyf for the artwork when what I really want is a Tarmogoyf that has a foil um, emblem at the base of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely would have created uh, price stratus points yes. uh, for Tarmogoyf because people aren't going to have, like, one of each set. You know, especially tournament players, it's an advantage, uh, or I should really say it's more of a disadvantage not to have matching artwork because, say, your opponent thought seizes you, mm-hmm. sees the Tarmogoyf, you know, take something else, and then you brainstorm, 
put that Tarmogoyf in your hand on you know on top of your library, or I don't know what series of events would lead to this, but basically you put that Tarmogoyf back, and then you draw another Tarmogoyf with different art. Mm-hmm. If your opponent thought seizes you again, that's giving them extra knowledge because they know, oh, that's not the same Tarmogoyf I saw before, which which means that's a card that he drew, so there's less of a chance of there being a rel- another relevant card that I'm worried about on top of his deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why all the islands that I play in Merfolk are all identical. Right, yeah, that's a big thing. You know, a lot of people who are new to the tournament scene don't do that because they don't recognize, you know, that it, that it comes into play more often with lands because people are less... Um, you know, careful with putting lands back mm-hmm. with their uh, with their brainstorms and such. But yeah, that definitely comes into play. They're unwittingly giving their opponent extra knowledge that they don't have to give mm-hmm. them. And all the all the same. And you know, Merfolk not putting card. Merfolk doesn't really put cards back in their deck the way other decks do. But it, it, it's the same with um, you know. I don't play this land because then you know what, what other is in my hand. You know what I mean? There's, there's that, but I also use all the same planes and land tax because oh yeah, because I'll, I'll yeah. scroll rack them back in. Right, because players won't even. Well, the, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing where it comes up is they're running different art lands, and then they ha- say they have an island in hand, and then they top deck an island with a different art. Mm-hmm. If their opponent has looked at their hand and sees the art, if you play an island with a different art, that means you still have an island in your hand because it's the new art your opponent didn't see before. Right, and like so, you know, one of the things that one of the ways it came into play for me really was when I actually started to think about playing. Like for a long time, I just play white border basics. I don't give a shit. You know, like does it tap for black? Does it tap for blue? You know, have some pride, man. Have some pride. <laughs> no, I like the whiteboarded <laughs> basics. That's what I was playing. But like, at a certain point, uh, and it's usually with my draft kit because I have a draft kit, and uh, I, I'd start playing Zendikar lands. Well, now if I'm using my Zendikar lands in a legacy deck, I got to make sure because it's 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 noticeable when you're playing against somebody who's playing blue for say, and, and like you thought sees is okay. So they had a, they had a cup Zendikar uh, land in their hand as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, any of the other artwork from Zendikar. Because that stuff will stand out more, obviously, than, you know, right. ri- what the difference between a basic and risable drowsy or M12. But somebody can notice that. You know, it's just it's the information that you're giving away. Right, and exactly the same way if you're on the opposite side. If your opponent isn't smart enough to do that, definitely write that down. When you thought season an opponent and they reveal cards like that, you and you know there's alternate versions of the art, like him to Torak's a big one. People yeah. will play with different versions of him to Torak. Because there's like five different artwork for him to Torak. Mm-hmm. Um, same with, you know, Dark Ritual, Brainstorm. Yeah, you know, just take a mental note and, you know, recognize what artwork they're playing with, what version of the card they're playing with, and it can honestly win you games because it can give you extra information. Notice when you're playing against the guy who's trying to foil out Sneak and Show that it's the foil show and tell in his hand. <laughs> hey, hey, they're all foil in my deck. Right, but, the, but they're not all foil in everybody's deck is what I'm saying. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's another one. It's, you know players are halfway through pimping out their deck, yeah. uh, that, that also comes into well, play. Well, I only have one promo Grizzle brand so far, and like, I'm still playing, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's kind of... Exactly, but 
where where we got onto this topic was with the Tarmogoyfs and the different arts. If if they had printed it with different arts for that very reason, competitive players wanting all the same art, it would have definitely stratified the prices because once a player gets one Tarmogoyf, they're going to try and finish out that set. Right. And if they're starting from scratch, that means they get to choose whatever art is their preference. Yep. And whatever art is most popular among the majority of the players, that version of the art is going to be the most expensive version. You know, and that is... I have, um, I think I have three play sets of brainstorms, because it, I thought you were going to say three play sets of Tarmogoyf, but I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I don't know. Otherwise, I'd be playing Shardless Bug. I know, right? But the uh, <laughs> I have three play sets of brainstorms, and it's like I'll only play one of them when I actually have all four in my hand. Like whether it's four Conspiracy, four Ice Age, or four Arcadian Masks. I think that's probably why I'm not even playing the Arcadian Masks one. Is I when we went down to GP New Jersey, I wanted to get them for the, to match the playmat. And I think I found three. Right. So I haven't even been playing them because I only have three. Because I'm not going to play different art copies of Brainstorm for that reason. Yeah. Actually, this is the one time I did break it, break my rule. I mentioned how I recently completed the playset of uh, Italian Brainstorms. Before then, I was running a mix of Italian and English. But I don't think anyone ever noticed. And that's, you know what, that's something else, too. Like, people were giving me shit for playing Khan's Polluted Deltas. I'm like... Like and, and to me, like just in in general, yeah, or mixed in like, onslaught. Oh, no, just in general. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I don't care if it's just an island or a swamp. Yeah. I don't give a shit. But like again, yeah, I'm not gonna want to go get an, a place set of onslaught ones. <laughs> like I just sold those a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I know it's wrong, but it's almost like an involuntary reaction. Is I somewhat I'm, judging them isn't the right word, but I definitely make assumptions about players based on what type of cards they are. So if I see a player running cons, fetchlands instead of onslaught ones, that tells me that they probably haven't been playing Legacy as long as other players, so they may not be as experienced with their deck. Whereas if I see a player playing you know, <laughs> onslaught fetchlands, especially like foiled out onslaught fetchlands, like, alright, this player has been playing this deck for a while, they you know, have spent the time and invested in it that they probably know what they're doing. Sure, okay, like if I see somebody that's sitting down playing Foil Onslaught Fetchlands, I may think that uh, they, well, they've obviously invested in their deck, whether or not they know what they're doing with it or not is a different question. Right, like, I'm not saying if I, right. If sometimes if I see somebody playing with Khan's Fetchlands, I think, wow, that person must have been smart enough to sell them before they were spoiled. <laughs> No, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's my involuntary like gut reaction when I see someone playing. Um, you know, <laughs> Jerry sees a fucking cons fetch lady. He's like noob, and all of a sudden Jerry's flipping Grizzlebrand to his dark confidant. <laughs> I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's my involuntary. <laughs> when I see someone with cons fetch lands, I immediately make the assumption that they haven't been playing Legacy as long as others. Okay. What if they what if they play Khan's Fetchlands with their tabernacle? I mean that's not I'm just like what are you doing with your life? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sack my Khan's polluted delta and get out chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Actually uh speaking of sick deals, uh Nick Wilbur picked up uh onslaught uh polluted deltas for Khan's prices. Okay. The uh, yeah, that was a great thing. A lot of the vendors there were just selling them straight across. You know, you can get cons or you can get uh, Onslaught, and it's going to cost you the same amount. Well, that sounds like it was a really fucking cool place to be. Yeah, oh, the vendors were great there. You know, it was almost worth, uh, you know, scrubbing out. I, I basically made up the value. 
I made up the value in uh in cars. <laughs> Jerry, let me ask you, how much were they selling foreign underground seas for the vendors? Ah, uh, I didn't see oh. any. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't look for those things because if I look for those things, those are the first step towards buying those things. They, they were selling them for buy list prices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, great deals there. I'm, I kind of wish I brought more cash down with me, what? but I probably spend more than I should. Oh, I also got to buy you, too. What else are you looking to get to play with? Uh, I mean, not necessarily to play with. I'm trying to finish out my 40 uh, Dual Lands. Okay. I'm like seven or eight away from finishing it, and they're all... It's like, I need two bayous, a savannah, some taigas, and a plateau. So it's not like they're very difficult uh, Dual Lands to pick up. I already got the hard ones out of the way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got three scrublands of Bayou and the the Korean Liliana. But are there any cards that you're looking to, to get to to play with? Like any, like so? See, I traded with that kid the other day, and he's like, "Is there anything you're looking for?" And I started thinking about it. I'm like, "This, I don't think there's a deck that I want to play that I can't put together." Right, but right now there isn't anything I'm looking for to put a new deck through, but I what I like to be able to do is to build any deck in Legacy and not have to go out and buy new cards. So you want, want play my- sets of every Magic card ever printed? I mean, I never said I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I've been thinking about, you know, I've been tempted to just sell off, sell my whole fucking collection. Yeah, but then I would immediately go into withdrawal. Well, no, I wouldn't go into withdrawal. <laughs> like, part of it's been kind of cool putting it together. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. now, there's nothing that I'm looking for. There's no, there's no. You just want to start all over yeah, again. Yeah, like, there's no pursuit. <laughs> there's no, you know, there's no. Uh, there's always more pursuit for me. Well, like, I can always find something else. And, and I'd be curious to see, like, if I sell off, if, if if I sold off my whole legacy collection, right? And then, I don't know. All of a sudden, the fucking prices tank. Then I just re fucking build my collection. Yeah, but you're assuming the prices tank. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's, are... look at all right. Uh, how can I put it? All right, so uh, were we talking about this before? I was so I was out at the store and this guy Joe was there and he's a real fucking cool guy. He was he plays modern. He was trying to get his son into legacy, and uh, so I was talking to him out in Southbridge, and we were talking, and I think me and you were talking about this before. The so my impression with modern masters, right? Hasbro is going to push wizards to print more modern masters. And Wizards will print more Modern Masters, but at a certain point, there's there's a ceiling where people won't want to do the three-month rotation of losing value in Standard, and they'll just play Modern. Well, when Wizards stop selling Standard cards because of the reprints in Modern Masters, the only way they're going to be able to push the Standard cards again is to not so much discontinue Modern as a format, but to support it less. It just It would just make sense. And, and if that happens, so as people promote modern more, legacy players would also play modern if they feel like investing in modern cards or if they already have them, like Tarmogoyfs mm-hmm. and Clicks. Now, as legacy players go towards modern, legacy becomes less supported, so the cards, the value would drop a bit. So the legacy cards values would drop, standard card values would drop, but modern cards values would go up. But once modern gets pushed down, the two external formats, Standard and Legacy, would increase again. Right, but the only problem with that theory is that it's not just Legacy that's putting pressure on Legacy staples. Um, the, the real story behind it is Cube and EDH 
has really taken off in recent okay. years. Yep. And Cuban EDH also wants dual lands and show and tell and Eureka and Tabernacle mm-hmm. and all these other cards that are were originally just legacy staples but are seeing a lot of play now in, you know, non legacy formats sure. and now the legacy players are also having to compete with the cube players and the EDH players. And even though those players only need one copy, that's still one less copy on the market for legacy players who want four copies. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with you. There is definitely an equilibrium, a supply and demand aspect of mm-hmm. it. But it's it's definitely more complicated than that because also, think about it, every year someone spills a beer on an underground sea or, you know, unfortunately someone's house catches fire and their collection goes up in smoke. It's not like there's any new copies of Underground Sea going in the market, and every year there's probably one or two less. I hope it's only one or two less, but it's probably more more frequent than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, so I'm going to send this to you right now, and we'll, we should post this in the, uh, the show notes. Uh, NPR actually did a uh, segment on the economy of magic. Yeah, it was actually pretty fucking dope. Yeah, did you listen yeah, to that? I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was should... only like 16 minutes. It, it was it was yep. really it was really cool. And they were they were talking about Beanie Babies. I was actually making a joke with one of the guys at work about the pet rock. Uh, yeah, you know, I, the, the difference. Um, it, yeah, it was actually it was really good to listen to. Yeah, we should we'll post that up in the show notes uh, if anyone hasn't gotten a chance to listen to it. It's basically talking about the early days of Magic and how Wizards of the Coast realized. You know, Pokemon and Beanie Babies and Pogs and all these other fads. Um, they didn't want to end up like just another fad, so they took steps to make sure that magic was healthy and continued for years to come. Yep, and that's and and, such became standard. Yep, and I thought one of the one of my favorite quotes from the entire thing is that Wizards wasn't run like a hobby store; it was run like a central bank. Hey, yeah, like they. Yeah. Yeah, they said it was like it was like run like a central bank that they controlled like the supply of magic cards the way a central bank uh, would control currency flows. Now let me ask you something. You were gonna post that link up. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, I thought you already had. Oh, no, it. <laughs> I had it on my phone. I listened to it the other day. I don't have like a URL for it. I just somebody posted it up on Facebook. Uh, well, then we're definitely giving a shout-out to Celso, because I just pulled this off of his Twitter wall. <laughs> you mean you pulled it off of yours? <laughs> yeah, my other one. <laughs> Hashtag same person. Yeah. We're going to make sure he's going to come up for that fucking SCG Open, too. I'm, I'm going to, I think, at some point soon, I'm going to head down to Connecticut to play some Legacy. I don't know if I'll get the chance to meet up with him or not. I know he, it sounded like he was uh, going to cease to play Legacy for a little while and focus more on Cube and EDH, which are two formats I don't play. But anyway, um, so as we go into Top 8, Jerry, this is Episode 24. Is there anybody you want to scoop into Top 8? Yeah, a couple of people. Um, first of all, I don't know his name, but the Italian gentleman <laughs> who helped me finish my two-year-long goal of foil, uh, not foil, uh, Italian brainstorms. Be sweet if they were foil Italian brainstorms, but that's that's the next step in the project. Um, so yeah, definitely a big shout out to Tales of Adventure down in uh, Coopersburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they put together a really good tournament, so hopefully I'll be going to a lot more of them if they uh, throw them. Mm. Uh, also, once again, Mark Strassman, uh, the Punishing Maverick guy I played against. Real cool dude. Hope he's listening. Um, and just my other teammates, uh, you know, Nick Wilbur, Dan Holland, and uh, Mike Gerard. Took the uh, little road trip down to Pennsylvania. Had a good time. What about you, Adrian? Uh, let's see. Damn. Um, 
Top eights. Uh, yeah, you know what? Thomas LeGuin fucking shared up that link on, uh, Tinfins and that shit was awesome. I actually woke up this morning. I'm like, first thing, first thing, I'm not even out of bed yet. I'm like, grab my phone. Hmm, let me see that video now. I like woke up and I just started streaming Tinfins shit. <laughs> so that was, that was a cool way to start the day. Um, also Brent Gilmore, you know, I triple cabal, I triple death rated is, I got him with cabal therapy to triple death rate and he still fucking crushed me. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> and Kyle, I haven't heard from Kyle in a little while and, uh, I was trying to get a hold of him a little while ago. I gotta, I gotta get back on that and get in touch with him again. Eh. Kyle, if you're alive and you can hear my voice, contact H. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and uh, uh, or hey, if if you're not alive and you can hear my voice, <laughs> <laughs> contact Adrian. And, <laughs> don't come near me. I don't want to see that. <laughs> and, and also, uh, Oscar and Andrew that came up after, after they left Philadelphia, they made it to T, and E, and Jerry didn't. Oh my! What <laughs> more do you want from me? Uh, I guess it was a six-hour drive. Well, yeah, but we were on your way home. <laughs> yeah, I got. I yeah, you're right. I drove through Worcester at you know six p.m. See, see. <laughs> uh, I could have stopped in, you know, to see who won. <laughs> Man, and I guess with that, we should uh, fucking seal this out. Yeah, I think that was good. Well, I hope you all have a good rest of your nights. So, hope you had a good St. Patrick's Day. And uh, let's get ready for springtime. Yeah, so am I, am I going to see you at tea this Sunday, Jerry? Eh, probably not. I hate pre <laughs> I was trying to see if I get you to like, commit to it. <laughs> nah, if I want to spend $40 for three booster packs, they better be Modern Masters. Yeah, uh, no, you get six packs. Alright, six packs, whatever. Yeah, it's standard anyway. Um, There's no value. No, I'm, I'm more interested in like the sealed on ice inputs. I'm not really, I don't chase standards, so I don't really worry about pre-release. Yeah. But, uh, let's see. I mean, I do them a lot online, just because I like drafting online, but I'm not going to drive an hour to go pre-release. No, I'm not pre-release, but I get a kick out of doing sealed events sometimes. Like, when on ice inputs actually does really cool fucking sealed events on Sundays. But, yeah. But that's, uh, that's a whole other format that we'll let another podcast cover. Exactly. Well, hope everyone has a great rest of your night, and uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Later, guys. Seeing all and been through it all, yo. That's how niggas know right now. Oh, the mother for real, for real. That's the truth. I'm lying. I put my lifetime in between the paper's lines. I'm the quiet storm nigga who fight rhyme. P, yeah, you heard of him, but I ain't concerned with them. Nigga, I pop more guns than you holding them. Make my route while the sun's out and scold your men. Unload 10 in broad daylight. Get right, fuck your life. Hop on my 98 dirt bike. You try to stop moms from growing. I make your blood stop flowing. Take affirmative action to any ass if he asking. Now here come the Mac 10. Use a dick blower. Trying to speak the done language. What the drilly with that though? It ain't banging. You hooked on Marphonics, infamous bonics Lying to the pop dog like you got it You ain't no wildin' out for the night Fist thrower, rusty shank hola We lit this shit It's the real shit, shit
and make them feel shit. Lump them in the club shit. Have you out and out when you want this. Drugs to your eardrum, the raw uncut. Have a nigga OD, cause it's never enough. It's the real shit. Shit to make them feel shit. Lump them in the club shit. Have you out and out when you want this. Drugs to your eardrum, the raw uncut. Have a nigga OD, cause it's never Yo, enough. Yo, the P-Rock, 40-inch cables. Drinking white label. My chain hang down on my dick. My piece bang glass tables. Diamonds and guns before the fame duke. A nigga like me, whole text. Are you the same too? Going through the emotions, a gun holding, long shotguns down my pants, leg limping. Killer B, you still living? Even my pops too. He taught me how to shoot when I was seven. I used to bust shots crazy. I couldn't even look because the loud sound used to scare me. I love my pops for that. I love my nigga, he black. I take the life of anybody trying to change what's left. And through all of that, a nigga ain't scared to death. All y'all brand new niggas just scared to death. I spent too many nights sniffing coke, getting right, wasting my life. Now I'm trying to make things right. Grand over some gates, invest in the rag business, do things for the kids. A little done. Build a jungle gym behind the crib so they can enjoy youth. CBRs and VCRs, ATVs and big screen TVs, nigga, please. Don't make me have to risk my freedom. We worked our whole life for this. You get your shit beat in. Cause it's the real shit, shit to make yeah, them feel wow, shit yeah, Lump wow. them in the club shit, have you out and out when you bump this Drugs to your ears on the raw cut Have a nigga OD cause it's never enough It go one, two, three to the fourth That nigga P-double got that shit for y'all's people's the rock suit Stirring up pots of brew in Hell's Kitchen I shut the impossible to serve hot plates all across the unified states Sit down and sup with the top rap reps. We the streets just watching boy move diligent. You better walk like the nigga on the tightrope, dude. Infamous first infantry, first division, fourth mission. First assignment, give them that shit they've been missing. My new additions, way bitching. Those that listen, get addicted to my diction. Fuck rhymes, I write prescriptions. For your disease, generic raps, just not potent like peas. 1,100 cc's on the throttle. I peel off, chest naked on katanas. Spaghetti head, mob niggas, is full bread. Fully blown melody. I rock skeleton bone shirts and verses with thirst for worse beats So I can put more product out on the street Get respect and love all across the board We've been adored for keeping it raw Nothing less or more I score every time for sure While the rest of y'all niggas just nerd real shit, shit to make them feel shit Lump them in the club shit Have you out and out when you bump this Drugs to your ears on the raw cut Have a nigga OD cause it's never enough It's the real shit, shit to make them feel shit Lump them in the club shit have you out and out when you want this Drugs to your ears on the raw cut Have a nigga OD cause it's never enough The red